Welcome to Reconceive with Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield. Over the next hour, Deborah, Tracy, and their guests will help you understand therapist burnout and how to feel better now. Listen close to bring vitality back to your practice. Now, here are Deborah and Tracy. Welcome to Reconceive. I'm Deborah. And I'm Tracy. We are very excited today. Our guest is Erin Owens. She's a practitioner of the Anat Banyal Method, Neuromovement and Functional Synthesis. And Deborah and I both have had experience with Erin's work, learned through Anat Banyal. And I'm currently studying her work. Yes. So I went to San Francisco recently and started my training at AM. I'm a movement professional and a body worker. Most movement professionals have heard the name Moshe Fels, and Anat Banyel was one of Moshe's students. So for the past two decades, I've been reading and rereading a book he wrote called Awareness Through Movement. And that book provides exercises or movement lessons within it So I would do those, but I would never feel what I think he was trying to convey. That was probably some dense reading, too. It it is. He he was a very intelligent person, um, and not describes him as a genius. Mm -hmm. So I was, my office was at the Bodysmith Pilates studio here in town. And I walked in one day, and I looked on the schedule, and I noticed that there was a new class, and it was Anat Banyel's work. And I read the description, and it talked about how she was one of Feldenkrais' students. And I was just thrilled. I couldn't believe we had a practitioner here in Springfield yeah. teaching this amazing work. That you already knew about. I knew about it, and I wanted to know more about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I actually, I believe I was Aaron's first student. Okay. And I was so excited about it. I brought my dad to the next class. So <laughs> my dad and I were, I believe, her first two students. Uh-huh. And then during that period, I just told everybody I saw about this amazing class. Mm-hmm. And next thing we knew, there were 10 students in the class. Yeah. And all of these students were really dedicated. So, you know, the class was full every week. Mm-hmm. And the work really changed my life for the better. Yeah. So that's my experience with Erin. Well, I can't wait to visit with her about this. I, I don't know as much about it as you do, but um, I have a lot of questions. And I think... The effects of ABM are subtle, um, especially in the beginning. And um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. But before we get started with talking about um, neural movement with Erin Owens, I want to just mention something that came up in our conversation a few days ago about burnout. And um, that's why we're here. So we're, we're doing this Reconceived series for helpers, for healers of all stripes. And one of the main things that we're addressing is burnout. 
And especially right now with the world situated um, as it is with mental health situated as it is and, and our clients' issues being as dramatic as they are, um, we need to be focused on self-care as practitioners. But you said something, Tracy, about how maybe a lot of people are burned out and they don't know it. I, I believe that's true. I had a realization as we were doing our podcast last time that people are kind of wandering through life. And I see it every day when I ask people, how are you? And they say things like, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Or same blank, different day. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I'm living the life. All of these uh -huh. kind of flippant answers. Yeah. Living the dream. Right. To me, they describe people who have lost vitality and potency yeah. in their lives. And I think a lot of therapists are experiencing this. Yeah. But I think they've, it's so insidious, burnout can be so insidious, that I believe a lot of people have burnout, but they just think it's normal. Oh, yeah, it's a way of life. Like even this morning, um, you were asking me if I had had pain lately. And I said, yes, <laughs> and it's here and it's here and it's here. Um, that can be something that I just accept. This is just how my life is. I get up in the morning and I feel this pain. Right. And most people are like that. They think pain is a normal part of life. And that was one of the biggest things I noticed with uh, taking Aaron's classes. Before I discovered Aaron, I would have to go to body workers to resolve pain that was so intense that I couldn't do my job as a body worker. Oh, yeah. I started in Aaron's class seven years ago, and I've never had that kind of pain since I've been doing and not Bonyell's work. Mm. So that's a huge change in my life. That's huge. Yeah. So if the pain shows up, then you know to mark that as maybe I'm potentially burned out or I'm having I'm having some kind of issue that needs addressing. It doesn't have to be normal. Right. I believe pain is a message, mm -hmm. but I believe most people have lost the ability to interpret those messages. Yeah. And when I was studying with Anat, one of the things I told her was I believe her work is the most important work I've ever discovered. And I believe that because it allows, it gives people agency to resolve their own problems in a way that avoids the problems that are common, commonly associated with all other types of body work. Oh. So if your brain is taking control and actually making the changes in your own body, your brain will do it in a way that's safe. Oh my goodness. And avoids all the pitfalls that could happen in other types of body work. Okay. This is very elegant sounding. So should we introduce Aaron? Let's do it. Here is Aaron Owens, the owner of Move Your Brain. Yes. Welcome, Hi, Aaron. Aaron. Thank Hello. you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love you too. You're both so wonderful. Thank you. 
Thank you. How are you today? I'm great. Good. I am here at an elementary school, so it, yes, we can it do a podcast like from anywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> are you having a class there today? No, no, I'm not. Um, actually, I am working in Holland Elementary for the next school year. Working? Yeah. yeah. So I started um, working some last school year with the deaf and hard of hearing department. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> so okay. I got to learn some sign language and um, and. You know, as you both can imagine, we it's it's very helpful to have all of your senses. And so when one or more of your senses are dampened, then that will have a it will definitely have a, a, an effect on the rest of your whole self, right? And so I got to kind of see how some of um, the kids in our community who are deaf and hard of hearing also may have, um, other areas, other opportunities in their lives that could be um, either helped by this work or just, you know, general knowledge for myself um, of how I can continue to work with others and things I can be aware of. So it's been wonderful. And they invited me back this school year. And so I'm here. And um, I don't know that either of you know this, but I also, from way, way back, have my teaching certificate, and my master's degree in education. Oh, I had no idea. I did not yeah. know that about you. <laughs> and so uh, when I initially took the Anapaniel training, I kept thinking back to our schools. And I'm like, this is so important. This is where we need to get the work in from the very beginning is at a foundational level where these children spend so much of their time where they are learning and how beneficial would this be for our teachers to be able to teach with some of these um, principles, the foundations of ABM, more yeah. apparent and more intentional. So as I'm here, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I can start building some kind of curriculum for teachers that can be utilized on down the line. What a great idea. And so you mentioned foundations. Is this a good place to dive into the foundations? Yeah, the and that calls the, the nine essentials. essentials. The nine essentials. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are they? <laughs> Tracy, help me. <laughs> We've got movement with attention. Mm -hmm. We have flexible goals. Okay. We have. Uh, let's see here. Enthusiasm, isn't that one of them? Yeah, enthusiasm. enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. It'd be nice if there were an acronym for them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She talked about yeah, subtlety. subtlety, fixing to connecting, um, variation, huge one, variation, slow, slow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she often says, uh, "Fast is only for what you already know." Mm. Oh so yeah, huge. Moving, moving slowly helps the brain recognize incoming information and then make decisions about that information. And one of the one of the things that attracted me to her work, she talks in one of her videos about if 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 you can't do that, if you can't move slowly, 
and allow your brain a chance to figure things out, how could you ever possibly have free will? Which was talking about how most people function in an automated way. Oh my goodness. Yes, we don't we don't know this about movement generally. So if you can't yeah. do it slowly, how can you truly be free in your movement? Yeah, because our environment is always changing, right? It's a dynamic environment coming in at us. And so sometimes you do need to act fast. Sometimes you need to act quickly, but you also need to be able to shift at a moment's notice and either stop, go slower, you change your relationship, you change your movement, your thinking um, with how your environment is changing and how the de- and so that you're in this, you know, dance, I think Tracy would appreciate this, you know, all of a sudden your partner decides they're going to do something that you weren't expecting and you've got to be able to react, react right. well. If you keep going and doing the same move you had intentioned, maybe that's not going to work with the dance as well. And if and so, we're moving you know, around, just just moving through the day, um, but rushing, then we don't have a chance to have our our movement be so responsive or so conscious. Yeah. Um, and if you're rushing through the day, you're not aware. You're not as aware. I mean, that's. I really feel like that's just a true statement. Um, you are not as aware. Mm-hmm. And so that can be helpful. There are times when we need to be able to shut out extra stuff so that we can focus, Mm -hmm. but still have an idea of what's going on around us so that if something else needs to come into the forefront of our thinking, of the way we are moving, then we can do that. So I think, at least in my training, she would talk about awareness as having having this idea of juggling balls. And so you can first, really, you can only be aware of one thing, right? And so you're like, you've got this one ball and you're just tossing it and you can be aware of that ball. And then somebody introduces another ball. All right, you've got two hands. So now you're juggling with two balls. You can kind of be aware of two balls. Somebody puts in a third. Well, somewhere up here is that third ball. You kind of have to have an awareness of it to know the rhythm, to know where it's at in space, to be ready for the next handoff. And then there's a fourth ball that gets put in, right? And this is our life. And we don't we don't have control of how many balls are there sometimes. <laughs> but we need to have an awareness that there are at least four balls and that I only have two hands. And so where do I focus my attention? And that is... Yeah. You know, that's an analogy metaphor for our lives often. And but if I'm trying to equally attend to all four balls, five balls, six balls, if, that's going to make it harder and harder and harder. So you've got to be able to shift to be able to attend to something. And then as you know, it's leaving, you can attend to something else. And it's that movement of attention and still having because there are two different things. You can attend to movement, but have awareness of the whole. Yeah. So we're and talking so, about movement, but it sounds like we're talking about also just attention and everything we do. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that allows you to be more resilient. And that is really, I think, one of the key outcomes of doing this kind of work is our resiliency. Um, because we can have an idea of how our day is going to go. We can have an idea of who we want to interact with, um, how much time we want with by ourselves, mm -hmm. the activities we want to do. But we all know that things don't always go as planned. And so we have to be flexible. And to some degree, if you cannot be flexible, then that is a reflection of the resilience you have. That can be illness. You know, it's not just, you know, our work lives or our family lives. It's our health. And so this is absolutely um, a reflection of our resiliency in all areas of our life and our spirituality, too. Yeah, yeah. How did you get into this work? <laughs> uh, my son brought me to this work. So when um, Gray was born, he's my second child. He was born 10 weeks early, and um, he was an emergency C-section and he was in NICU for six weeks and, you know, they just said, oh, you know, it's going to take a while. And he came home and he screamed nonstop. Oh, yeah. And then he wasn't meeting milestones with the doctors at that point. We're just like, oh, he's delayed. It's okay. He'll catch up. Finally, at one year, he got diagnosed with um, a cerebral palsy diagnosis. Mm. And so we started getting services, OT, PT, um, feeding therapy, but he really wasn't progressing. And so by age, he was almost three and he was getting ready to age out of a program here in Missouri we call Missouri First Steps. And that's when therapists come into your home and work with your child. And we had just gotten a new PT. And after a few weeks of working with him, she's like, have you ever heard of a not Danielle? And I said, no. And she's like, well, I work with one other little girl who's been getting these lessons. And because that's what we call them. This is uh -huh. learning. And then we have lessons. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, so, yeah. um, and she's like, she's been making progress. And so we drove out to Tulsa because that was the closest place that we could find. And within two lessons, within one day, he learned how to sit by himself for the very first time. Oh, wow. <laughs> After three years. And so we were like, well, we have no idea what this lady did. Um, my background was in finance and accounting. At that point, I had spent, I have a windy path. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Totally yeah. <laughs> surprised. Um, so, and my husband um, worked in software. And so we had no experience with anything like this and we didn't know what she was doing but we know that it worked for him and so uh that pt and i flew to atlanta where we could attend a parent workshop that she was giving and in that workshop we got it was an experiential workshop we got to feel what it was like to do some of these lessons we got to talk about the thinking behind abm and then they offered um an opportunity to sign up for the training that was coming up in just a couple of months from that point. And I was hopeful that the PT would be able to take that training and that maybe we could even sponsor her in doing so, but that didn't work out. And so my boss um, generously 
made a way for me to attend a 15 month training because <laughs> Tracy oh knows, my. Tracy knows this is an in-depth thing um, yes. wow. and still work. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. Um, my husband yeah. took care of both kids. I worked full time and I took the training and here we are. So you flew back and forth to California and trained with a not and no. So chances are you, you were very fortunate, I think, to have had the PT that actually knew about her work. But a lot Absolutely. of parents of, of children with special needs, they don't probably know this res- resource is available, correct? Right. I would agree with that. And I would say that most parents don't find out about it until they've exhausted all of the traditional oh. options. Um that certainly was our case. And, and I applaud, like there are some parents out there that are from the, they're researching anything and everything and they will find the work earlier. And honestly, the earlier, the better, because you have less, you have fewer, um, you can have fewer habits to over to rewire. Mm. So for some people, this kind of work, if you're just thinking, physically, you know, you have habilitation and you have rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. And so if you're starting from, you know, infant, one, two year old, it's more about habilitation, about starting something new, right? Mm -hmm. And then as you get older, you are having to unlearn and relearn. That is a rehabilitation. So unlearning patterns of movement. Yeah, but I mean, it goes way beyond that. It's patterns of thinking in general, patterns of living. Uh Okay. It's, I cannot tell you how, how far reaching this training reached into my life, in my marriage, in the way I parent, in the way at the time I worked in an advertising company in finance and working with, um, men that were 30 years older than me that had different ideas. And it is, I mean, it is life-changing work. It is, it is truly life-changing work. Yes. So I know that we've got to take a break in a few minutes, but broadly speaking, can you say, what does ABM do <laughs> in a nutshell? <laughs> it, it brings vitality and potency to your life. How does it do that? By changing your brain, by upgrading your brain and waking your brain up, as Jill Bolte Taylor says. So you're not wandering through life unaware, just thinking this is all life is. It opens the world to you. Yeah. If all you had was a super highway from point A to point B, the only time you could, could move was at... 80 miles an hour, and you could only go to one destination. <laughs> That's how most people experience life. Yes. Okay. Right? Yes. But this gives you the opportunity to get off the highway. This gives you an opportunity to find that there are side roads, that there are farm roads, that there are paths through leaves oh. in the autumn. There are mountains and valleys, and that you could fly even, or you could go underground, right? You're not just relegated okay. to this one, the one thing you can do. You know you can do it, 
and you get used to doing it. So then you just find comfort, well, sometimes comfort in doing that back and forth. And then you're done with life, right? Yeah. It's the familiar thing. It's the way I do whatever. Exactly. And think about that too. You only, then your, your perspective is only that. And so if anyone ever comes to you from any other perspective, you don't have a reference. Right. And you can't respond differently. Okay. So we'll take a break here and we'll come back and hear more about ABM with Erin Owens. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Burnout takes a toll on your effectiveness with clients, patients, and students, even your kids. Reconceive brings help for all the gifted helpers out there who want to make a difference, but first need to feel better, more awake, and more creative. Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield show you a whole new way to think about mental health and the body offering insight and inspiration to help bring back the vibrancy and joy to your work in the world. If you teach, do therapy, or provide any kind of human service, it's time to reconceive. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Reconceive with Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield. Have a question for Deborah, Tracy, or their guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to Reconceive. Welcome back to Reconceive. We are here today with Erin Owens, and Tracy and I are talking with her about the Anat Benyal method or ABM or neuromovement, whatever you want to call it. Um, and Erin, I'm just thinking about how most people don't know their bodies that well. And this is not a thing that I ever thought before, but but I'm coming to know that now. Um, so why would, would it be important for us to really know our bodies? Well, what you don't know, you can't change, right? Right. And and when I say no, yeah, there's like you have a head knowledge about something, mm-hmm. but then there's the experience of having that, of it being a part of you. And for a lot of people, they are walking around 
like a floating head. I've been a floating head. <laughs> I've spent decades as a floating head. Wow. <laughs> so and it makes sense to some degree because this is where our brain is. Like almost all of our sensory is in our head. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not just a floating head. It's almost like only a floating face with ears, maybe. Mm. Like they don't even have a sense of the back of their head. There's no right. three-dimensionality right. to us. I wonder it's if more- that's why it's hard for people to say, I feel sad or I feel any kind of an emotion. Like sometimes when I ask people about their feelings, they literally cannot answer with the feeling. Do you think that's part oh, of I why? I love that. I love that. Yeah, because think of think of that. So when you get angry, your temperature, your internal body temperature can change. Your heart rate might increase, you know, blood. We have these expressions like, oh, they made my blood boil, right? Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? It's because people used to pay attention. Like (laughs) you could feel your, you could feel that internal experience. Or when somebody's anxious, you know, their, their stomach gets tied up in knots. Right. That's, you know, it's bringing the, those visceral sensations down and feeling them more in their body. If somebody is sure-footed, it means that they're they're confident of where they're going. Wow. Okay, so you're saying people used to feel their bodies? I think so. I think people used to feel their bodies. Yeah. But not so much anymore. We've gotten disconnected yeah. from feeling yeah. our bodies. What do you th- right. I mean, what do you think? Well, I think cognition is is held in the highest regard in our society. So mm-hmm. You know, I always go back to what Joe Bolte Taylor says in the Neuro Movement Revolution podcast with Anat Banyo. She says, society tries to make us thinking creatures that feel, but in reality, we are feeling creatures who think. So, you know, if we can, you know, like add more movement into a child's education, and give them a clear relationship with their physical body, that it, it makes everything in life easier and more vibrant and in a way feel more important. So if I'm a feeling creature who thinks, then I know first with my body. My body is how I come to know. Yeah. And I know smiling. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that would even tell you that's how your brain is formed. Right. She says the gravitational field is your first teacher. Yeah. Meaning. And we all know gravitation, like gravity doesn't change, right? We, we haven't figured out a way to float off the earth yet. <laughs> right. And those, move, those random movements a baby makes again in the gravitational field form your brain according to a nut, and that makes perfect sense. Those movements are giving your brain information. Okay. And as far as feeling emotions, you know, this idea of a gut feeling, yeah. you know, information going to your brain. Yeah. You know, she's, she's brilliant. She figured out neuroplasticity before science figured it out, that it's the information gathering side of the equation and also she figured out um, this mirroring system within the brain where 
what she is thinking or feeling has an impact on what her client is thinking or feeling. Yes, which is, that is one why of them. It's so important. Yeah, and it's beautiful when when you do her training. The first thing, as a practitioner, is you have to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not com- if you don't feel comfortable as a practitioner, you have the potential to move your client into a state of discomfort. Plus, your discomfort can hijack your ability to think. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, we, we've been talking, Tracy and I, about how the evolution of the psychotherapist or, or any sort of therapist does involve the body. And yet the body of the therapist in most people's training, I suppose this is different if you're training as a massage therapist, but for most of us in mental health, the body is left out of the equation. We're, we're not trained about our client's body. We're not trained about our own body. We may not even be connected to our own body in any kind of feeling way. Yeah, I believe that um, when we were talking with Doug Shirley, he said, or you maybe you said as a, as a psychotherapist, you're not even supposed to fidget. <laughs> right. um, that's not yes. healthy, right? You hold still. <laughs> right. Which is a recipe for things going numb, things going to sleep. Right, and it's probably adding to a lot of the burnout that people feel. Probably, yeah. So adding movement to any kind of therapy is a good idea. Yeah, and I cannot tell you how many times I have done. So we have this thing in ABM, I'm using all these acronyms in the neuro movement called transformational movement lessons. And this is, you know, this is where somebody is guiding you through movement or you're reading lesson like Tracy did in a book and then doing the movement, right? And so Anat calls them TMLs. And this is the kind of class that I used to teach. But I would be listening to these TMLs doing the movement and, you know, a third of the way through, half the way through, all of a sudden, I get an answer to something I've been trying to figure out Uh out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, right? All of a sudden, bing, pause the TML, go write it down, come back to the TML. What happened there? Your brain is organizing, reorganizing around around what you're ready to gain from the TML. So it's just this, it's just better organization of your body, but in your brain too, because they mirror each other. And I think that's a really big thing. Like they are the, they are, we are one thing. Our brain and our body Mm -hmm. are not two separate things. They are one. Mm -hmm. And we talk about them like they're two. That's right. But when, but when they start acting like they're one, I think that is, I think that can be better organization. And when you are when you are better organized in your movement, in your thinking, everything can change, including the clarity with which you perceive information, with which you can reorganize information, how quickly you can get to an answer that makes sense, or come up with multiple answers that you can experiment with. Um, 
And in those moments of clarity, in those moments of true, really good organization that can come from doing TMLs, all of a sudden you have this thing in the background, right? It was the fifth or sixth ball in the air that you can't oh, see. Yeah. But all of a sudden, bing. There it is. <laughs> there it is. And, and that also talks about how or, well-organized movement is fun. Yeah, it's true. So, Pleasurable. So, so the more you do this, it builds on itself. She talks about learning through approximation. Mm-hmm. So once you start feeling these changes from these transformational movement lessons, you become excited about what is the next discovery. Yeah. And that's what gives your life vitality and potency. Continuing yeah. to learn. Yeah. Learning is vital and potent and makes life interesting and kind of keeps me from being bored or static um, or in a rut. It seems like what we're talking about on one level is different reasons to move. And I think like many of us have have probably thought, well, um, you know, I move functionally, like I have to walk around and do things with my hands and whatever, or maybe I move deliberately to lose weight or to become stronger. But this is a whole other reason to move deliberately as just movement for its own sake. Yes, and I believe it targets, uh, I'll ask Aaron about this, but I believe it targets that idea of burnout because emotionally, after doing seven years of ABM, I feel emotionally healthier Uh than I did before. Have you found that with yourself and your clients? Oh my gosh. Emotionally, I'm a totally different person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I rec I'm starting and you know what? I don't know why it takes so long because it is a pro it is a process. It can be a very long process. Um, And I was able to see so many places externally where I could say, oh, I can do this. Oh, we can change that. Oh, look how we can use the method. But internally, it has been a much longer process um, for me to have this emotional experience of being okay um, with the idea that I can have an emotion and if it's not a happy emotion, that's okay. <laughs> um, and that I can honor my feel, all of my feelings, right? Uh-huh. I can honor all of my feelings. Yeah. And that's good. Um, and it's if a- I get scared of having an emotion, I think, like, you know, people can get a little iffy, like, oh, I don't want to stay in this icky place. Right. It's the staying that people get fearful of. Yeah. And I heard one time that in general, a strong emotion only stays with you for about a max of 90 seconds. Oh. And I was like, I can do that. I can be okay with having this really upset feeling for 90 seconds. 90 seconds. And what is what is it like to be okay with that? And and that's what ABM is too, is going back to this idea that we can be, um, that you don't have a fixed expectation of what's right. You have an idea of what can work well. You have an idea of what's worked well for you, but also it's this 
way of living that invites, that like observes what is, and then moving a little bit out from that, what can be different? And is that helpful or not in the moment? Not forever, just for that time. Your body awareness can be a very dynamic thing. It doesn't have to just be, oh, yeah, this is what my elbow feels like over here. It's it's going to keep changing as you're as you're mapping, as your brain is developing this this map. Yeah, yeah. When your map is only that super highway, you don't have much of a map. Right. And that's your experience so, of life. It's your experience of your body. One time we had this conversation, Tracy, about rumination. Um these thoughts that I identify as trauma thoughts, like um, I am fat, I am unattractive, I am this, I am that, all these negative things, I'm not good enough. Um, And I have um, thought of those as strictly thoughts in the head. (laughs) But through talking about neural movement, we've kind of opened the door to, you know, maybe those are those are about unmapped aspects of my body. That's one of the biggest changes I noticed from doing ABM movements in the past. So I think when people talk about mind-body separation, a lot of what they're talking about is, are you in the moment or are you functioning in an automated way? The ruminations I would have would be those negative cognitions. And one of the biggest positive changes I've noticed from doing Anabanyal's work is I have fewer and fewer of those, what I call a hamster Uh on its wheel in my head, Uh which is a, a great, would be a great benefit to everybody, really. Right. Yeah. And then the practitioner. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And going and going back to um, those thoughts of um, not being enough of whatever the negative thought might be. Mm-hmm. Also, Anat really talks about helping a person come into their own experience and not looking to others to provide feedback. They are their own feedback. Mm. They have an internal feedback system. So you're relying on yourself, not on others. You don't rely on what you think others might think of you, which then may project into the thoughts of yourself. You look to yourself, you go internal, and are you enough in that moment? Wow. So I know we just have a couple of minutes before we have to wrap up, but I'm wondering, Tracy, can you take us back home to our bodies Well, this is one, you know, there are a lot of easy ways to do this, but one of the easiest is just to be aware of what your body feels like as it touches whatever surface you're on. So if you're standing up, you can just feel how your feet feel touching the floor. And one of the most important things Anat talks about is information to the brain is mainly the perception of differences. So you can start, just take a moment right now and feel, does one foot touch the ground differently than the other? 
So she says stimulus is not information to the brain. The perception of a difference yeah. is what provides your brain with information, new information, which gives you new possibilities. So, Aaron, thank you so much for being with us. I think we need to continue this conversation at a, another episode. But um, everybody write to us at reconceivetherapy at gmail.com. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Reconceive. We hope you've learned something today you can use to reconnect and feel better. Tune in next week for more on transforming practice. Until then, have a great week.